All right, hey Ascent Church, I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors, like that video said, and I'm so glad you guys are joining us today. Jim was crazy in that video, man. He had to have that tape measure out. He was always making sure we were exactly six feet apart, and hey, good for him. He was making sure we were doing social distancing. Um, Before we do the sermon, we're going to do something really fun today. Uh, We love telling stories, telling stories of of the the people, of what, what Jesus means to people in their life, and we love being able to share that on Sunday mornings. So you learn a little bit more about somebody else in the congregation. It's hard to do that right now because you guys are all, we, we're separating from each other. So here's what I thought we would do. I thought, well, how cool would it be if we got to know the person behind the camera? See, see Scott Steinmark, he has been our, our tech director for the last two or three years. He's been the one that's put all the lights and sounds and all this together. He gets this tech team together. They do such a phenomenal job for us. Now they've had to switch gears and do that for us online. Scott's done such a great job. And I thought, why don't we pull the wizard from behind the curtain and have him actually come in here and share a little bit for us his own story. So I asked him and he said at first, I don't know if I want to. And I said, come on, you can do this. He said, all right, let's do this thing. So today we're going to start with a story. We're going to have Scott share. And so here's what we're going to do. Social distancing. I'm going to walk around this way. He's going to walk around this way. I'm going to run the camera. He's going to come in here and share. And we're going to learn a little bit more about Scott. So let's, let's invite Scott in. Come on in, Scott. First thing first. Okay. All right, boy. That's what we need to do. Okay, Scott, thank you for jumping on this side of the camera for a change. Not that I, I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> so here's the deal. I'd love for you to share with us a little bit more of your story. Just give us a little bit of your story, and then how, when did you really discover Jesus in the midst of that story? Yeah, so uh, born and raised Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, Colorado my entire life. Um, we grew up, my family grew up Methodist, uh, <laughs> which was fun in the 90s. Anyway, uh, went through high school um, and college and really where my faith really took off and I accepted Christ as my Savior was a college youth group in high school. My best friend was a drummer for a college youth group and uh, every Friday they had services and I just started going. And almost a year of going, um, they were taking communion one day, one night, and that's when the Lord just came into my heart and just hit me real heavy. And that's during communion. That's when I accepted Christ as my Savior and haven't looked back since. So you, so after high school then, you, you jump into college, not at Fort Collins. You're back down here at CU, right? Yeah, so I went to college at CU, uh, studied, uh, got my bachelor's in architecture. And, and what was your faith like through those college years? I'm just curious as a former college pastor, what was your faith like during those years? So I found a church. Uh, I called it home for a while, or my four years of college. Um, and I was basically uh, kind of a youth pastor. I led, um, helped lead junior high, high school, and college ministries throughout my whole um, college career, I guess. Hmm. So, okay, so let's fast forward. So after college, you eventually meet Janae, and you guys get married, and, and you end up in the kind of the tech world. So Give us a little bit more of that. Yeah, so I met uh, my wife, Janae, right after college. Uh, We dated for what she would say too long before we got married. Uh, But I finally pulled the trigger on that one. Um, And I wish I could go back. I already forgot the second part of your question. (laughs) Well, okay, so you guys get married. But I know that you guys 
eventually you guys struggled with some some issues around infertility and you guys wanted to have a child and it was and you're running into all kinds of of, of of questions and struggles around that tell us more about that journey that you were on yeah so when we got married we waited a couple of years and we started to try and have a kid and um my wife just started to get worried after we tried for three months six months nine months over a year and I was like, no, we're fine, we're fine. Well, she booked an appointment to go see a fertility doctor. I was like, all right, all right, let's go. Um, we do all of our tests, which was so much fun. And then we sit down in the room with the doctor, um, well, first the nurse. And then she goes, oh, wait a minute, let me, let me go get the doctor. And we just kind of both looked at each other and was like, this is from a movie. We feel like we're in a movie and uh, that, you know, the doctor's going to come in and it's serious news. Um, that's when the doctor said we had to do IVF if we wanted to even try and have a child. Um, in that moment, um, we weren't alone. God was in the room with us and, and we both felt that and we both started crying and we prayed right there in the room with the doctor. Kind of looked at us weird at first, but we didn't care. That's what we needed to do. We needed to, to, to meet Christ in that moment and really just give everything over and know that we're not alone in this. So, so the, the process after that's technical. Um, and you're not sure if it, it's going to work or not. Uh, what, was that, what was that like? Yeah, it, it went from uh, being fun to very scientific. Um, shots three times a day, uh, tons of doctor's appointments. Um, we, we actually had to get a couple extra surgeries uh, to take care of some things which honestly was a blessing in disguise um, that's going to help us tremendously in the future, uh, financially, emotionally, uh, physically. So um, really blessed by this whole process, even though it was hard. Um, and the best part was uh, we were very fortunate and blessed that it took on the first try. And we gave birth, my wife gave birth to our son Hayes uh, on December Man, I remember when Hayes was born, and we were so celebrating because we knew the journey you guys were on. And um, and so now I'd say just you and Janae, you've got Hayes, and um, just with you and your faith, do you feel like it strengthened your faith or just just uh, encouraged your faith? Strength and encouraged. Um, I, I don't... It's going through this whole process, even if you don't have any problems with fertility... Um, it's truly a miracle, childbirth. Uh, whether you can do it natural or, or through science and IVF, uh, it's just crazy. It's truly a miracle. No matter how, how it happens, whether it's you know normal pregnancy, IVF, adoption, it doesn't matter. Children are truly a blessing and a miracle from God. Mm -hmm. All right, that's awesome, Scott. All right, one quick, one last question. You are a tech guy. You are the guy that's been setting up this whole online platform. A lot of people are learning online stuff right now. They don't know how to do Zoom calls or anything. What's your piece of advice for all of us on the, on the other side of the computer from all the work that you're doing? Um, relax. We're all on the same boat. We're all trying to figure this out. Um, reach out. Reach out to me uh, because I'm the tech director and I can do what I want. I'm going to put my email down here. If you have problems connecting to any of our online services or, or, or offerings, 
send me an email. Uh, most of the time, you just have to unplug and plug something back in. <laughs> just reset the computer. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Scott. Thank you very much. All right, let's switch places okay. again. All right, thanks, Scott. Man, I love that. It's just so fun to hear someone's story and to hear just how God is faithful in the midst of it. Now, we know that for some of you guys, um, infertility is still super painful. And we, know, we just know that we continue to pray for you and we, we want to walk alongside you. You are not alone in that. And, uh, and, and we just love what Scott said, that, that God is at work in lots of different ways, whether it's scientific or it's natural or it's, it's through adoption or lots of different ways that God's at work. And he's, I know he's at work in your life as well. Hey, listen, one more thing before we get into the sermon, okay? Um, Janie Donatucci passed away this past week. And she is somebody that you might not know, but she's someone that was very close to a lot of us on this staff. She's been someone that's mentored a lot of us. She was speaking into Chris Lagarder's life in, in really powerful ways. Lots of people on staff went out to her, has, have been out to her house to, to be trained on how to do ministry. We love Janie and we love the Donatucci family. And I just wanted you all to know that the staff is grieving this week. Jim and I are grieving this week. Jim, Janie was Jim's ministry mom back when he was in his early 20s and he was doing high school and middle school ministry and and back when he had hair and then when he was good looking, you know, Janie was right there with him. And for me, she's walked through 20 some years of ministry with me. She was kind of a vocational mentor for me. And then eventually she's just someone that's just helped me to see people talk to me about what it was. How do you share your faith with people as they walk through the door? She's someone that cared deeply for Jackie and me and our family she was a mentor that was a professional mentor, then a personal mentor, and then just a really good friend. And we're going to miss Janie deeply. And, uh, and, and so we just wanted you all to know that. People talk about how cancer, man, you, that you lose your battle with cancer. And she battled cancer for nine years, but I can't use the word lose and Janie at the same time. She's, she wins. And she was a winner. And she ran through the tape. And she... she um, she just, to the very end, just wanted people to know how much Jesus means to her and how much they can mean to them too. She just so loved the love of Jesus. So, so just, know, just know that and be in prayer for Ray and for Ann Grace and Lauren and, and Elizabeth. Um, be in prayer for them. We're in prayer for all of you guys that lose a loved one during this season where you can't do a memorial service and it's a different, it's complicated. Um, we just want to be in prayer for you guys as well, okay? Um, okay, so, so let's shift gears, man. We're going into Holy Week. This is the beginning right now of Holy Week. It's so weird. It's, it, Easter is coming next week, and if you're at all like me, just everything's running into each other right now. It's like you, you, you get up and you and you're, go through your day, and at 6 o'clock at night, you're going, what day is today? And did I get anything done? Or you're going, I, got, I need a break. I cannot turn it off. It's ridiculous. I mean, we're all in that place right now. I mean, some of, we're wondering, can you get dumber just watching Tiger King forever? Can you get dumber watching that kind of stuff? Because I feel like I'm getting dumber at times. But you guys, in the midst of all that's happening, it's Holy Week. This is the week that Jesus came into Jerusalem. 
This is the week that Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room on a Thursday and shared communion with them and washed their feet. This is the week that Jesus goes before Pontius Pilate and, and, and Peter denies him and Judas betrays him and he gets beaten down and he gets nailed to a cross and dies and, and is get put in, puts in a tomb. This is the week that Jesus on Saturday then is, is we're just in waiting. And then on Sunday, when the ladies go to the tomb and the rock is, is rolled away and they see there's nobody in there, and then they go back to Peter and John and they run to the tomb and they see that nobody's in there. Jesus did what he said he was going to do. That death doesn't get the final say. That we're going to get to celebrate life and love. And that's what this church so loves to celebrate. And we're going to do that next Sunday. Even though it's online, we're going to do that next Sunday. But today, we want to spend some time looking at this story a little bit more. We're going to look at this triumphal entry, is what they call it, of Jesus coming in and them laying palm branches down. A little bit of background before we pray and get into this. See, see, here's what happened. Jesus is in Galilee, and then Jesus coming up into, into he's going to come up into Bethany, and then he's going to cross over the Mount of Olives down into the Kidron Valley and up into Jerusalem. He's, he's coming into Jerusalem, and so are millions of others. Some theologians believe almost 2.5 million people might have been in Jerusalem at this time. The streets were lined. There was a massive frenzy. They were in Jerusalem primarily because it was the Passover feast. This was a feast they've been celebrating for centuries, and they're all in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And then on top of that, this frenzy around Jesus. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And so when he raises Lazarus from the dead, everyone's going, who is this guy? Remember also, these people have been waiting for centuries for the Messiah. A person was going to save them from the Roman oppression. And they're saying, man, is, is, is Jesus that guy? Is the Messiah coming? And so there's this massive anticipation around it all. And this is the scene that Jesus comes in in his final week. As he, as he starts to declare, I am the son of God. Come on, you guys. Do you see what I'm bringing? All right, so that's what we're going we're gonna, to, we're going to look at that. We're going to spend some time in that as we get our hearts and minds ready for Easter week, okay? So let's pray together and then we'll get into it. Father, we pray that you would bless this time as we look at your word, as we slow down from all of the stuff that's happening, um, and, and we just look at your word. We pray that you would bless this time, that you would help us to draw closer to you. God, if anybody has the temptation to just shrink down the screen right now and go to emails, we pray that you would help us to at least get through the next half hour or so um, and, and help us to draw closer to you as a result. So be with us, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, you guys, uh, I just prayed just now that you wouldn't shrink down the computer so, to, to go to your email. So if you now do that, you're disobeying God. No, no, I'm playing with you. you just, if you have to do that, you do. But let's see if we can just stick with this for just a little bit here, okay? So here's it. I'm going to read from John chapter 12. It says this. It says, when the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also see Lazarus who he'd raised from the dead. So that was Saturday, okay? So that's happened on Saturday. And then Sunday comes along. And on Sunday, the next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival, the festival, remember the Passover festival, heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees 
So here's what happened. So, so, so anytime a great king would come in that had just conquered, you know, a warrior that just conquered, uh, you know, foreign armies, and he'd come back into the city, they would lay palm branches down on the ground as a sign to honor that king that would come in. And so people were laying palm branches on the ground to honor. This is why we call it Palm Sunday. Palm branches on the ground to honor this great king that was coming in, okay? So it says, and they went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna. Now, you guys, that word Hosanna, man, I grew up Catholic and we said that word all the time. We, we would say, you know, Hosanna in the highest, blesses you, comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And I had no idea what I was saying. What's interesting is a lot of these guys didn't quite know what they, why they were saying what they were saying as well. The word Hosanna means save us now. Save us now. So these people, they were lining the streets as Jesus comes into town. They were yelling out, singing it out, save us now. Save us now. Save us from all of the oppression. Save us from all of the brokenness around us. Save us from all of the financial problems that we have. Save us from the enslavement that we feel. Save us now is what all of these people were, were, were screaming out to Jesus as he came. It says, it says, he says, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And then it says this, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it was written, now this is really important, you guys. He sat on this donkey, and this is what he's riding in with. And it says he was written, Don't be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming. Sit on a donkey's colt. See, see what, what John is quoting right there, it's from Zechariah and the, in the Old Testament. It was a prophet in the Old Testament that predicted that this would happen, that this was coming, that Jesus was, was that, that the king would come in. Jesus knows that these people know that. So this is what's important about it. Jesus is declaring, I'm that king that you've been waiting for, that you've read about. I'm that king that's coming in right now on this donkey that you have read about. Okay, so that, that can raise up a little bit more of the what is going on here. His disciples didn't understand these things at first. I love that. The disciples, man, they followed him for three years. And they didn't, under, so many times it says the disciples didn't understand. They didn't understand at this point. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. And then we skip ahead a tiny bit. It says the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The world is following him is what they concluded because they're seeing this mass of people and they're all just singing this out to Jesus. And they're concluding something that wasn't true. The world wasn't going right there to praise and believe in Jesus. But that's the way these guys felt because of what happened. Okay, so let's, let's recap this a little bit. So here you go. 2.5 million people or whoever, however many were in the city all ready to just say this could be the king. And they're ready to see who this guy is and what's happening. Jesus is standing just outside the city gates of Jerusalem and he's about to come in. Now, when those gates open, what, do we, what, are, they, what are they thinking they're going to see? What do we think should be seen at that point? I love, there's a guy named Erwin McManus, a pastor down in Southern California. I love how he describes this because he's going, those gates open and you picture Jesus on this massive horse 
on this huge stallion. For me, I picture it like it's, a, it's an Arabian horse because we had these Arabian horses in Spokane. We lived out in the farmlands and we had these Arabian horses. We didn't have them. The neighbors had them way up the street. And so we got to see them all the time. And I picture Jesus on this big black Arabian horse that's sweating like crazy and has this big mane. And I love how Erwin says, because the nostrils, the nostrils were huge. And, and it's, it's just the steam that's coming out of the nostrils and the, and the, and the, and the, let, the, the, the hooves are just clomping in the dust and it's spitting up the dust. And it's at dusk. It's, it's just as the sun is going down and, and, and you can just see the silhouette of Jesus sitting on this massive horse coming in as the conquering hero, the conquering king that's going to come in and take this Roman Empire, take on the Roman Empire. It's, that's what we picture when those gates open. I was talking to Chris Lagados, our high school, middle school pastor about this, and he's going, can you imagine the disciples on the other side of that gate before it opened? Can you imagine them looking over and seeing, he came in on a donkey. And not even just an adult donkey, it was like the, the kid donkey. And he comes in on this small donkey and rides on into Jerusalem. Are you kidding me? Really? For the king of kings? The disciples had to be going, oh, I don't think this is going to fly. It says they didn't understand it. I don't think this is going to fly. And they open the gates and it's, it's a donkey. And it's Jesus. It's, a donkey was a sign of peace. And so Jesus coming in on this donkey and the people are going, okay, okay, I guess that's this king of kings, and they're still calling out, save us now, save us now, save us now. Jesus hears all that, and he knows they don't get it. They don't get it. See, he's looking at all this stuff, and he's saying, they're saying, save us from this mess. They're saying, save us from this brokenness. They're saying, save us from these circumstances. Save us from all this stuff around us. And Jesus is looking at each one of them. He's going, I'm not coming to save you from those circumstances. I'm coming to save you from the circumstances that happen on the inside. I'm not, I'm not coming to save you from this brokenness around you. I'm coming to save you from the brokenness that you're feeling on the inside. I'm not, I'm not coming to save you from the mess that's out there. I'm coming to save you from the mess on the inside. You're, you're, you're saying, save us now and be that, that king that can bring peace. And I'm here to say, I want to give you peace from the turmoil here. See, I am the Savior, but, but my desire is to save you from yourself because I want you to connect with my father and I want you to see what this love is it means and what it's like for you and for you see I'm coming for you but see they didn't get it they didn't get it in fact, the very next day, Luke tells us that Jesus looked down over that crowd and he cried over the crowd because they didn't get it. Those same people, five days later, are the ones that are saying, crucify him. They're the ones that are going, Pontius Pilate brings it before all the people and they're saying, crucify him. 
Then in the midst of that week, they're going, wait a minute, this guy that was going to do this is now not doing it. And, and, and now, okay, so maybe he's not who he said he was. Well, we look at that and we say, man, fickle crowd, fickle group. But are we doing anything different? If you really think about it, this in a lot of ways is our story. See, we see Jesus coming in our life. And we see the King of Kings. And we're going, man, I like that. I like what I'm seeing. And we start laying palm branches on the ground. And our palm branches on the ground is our, our devotion to Him and our obedience to Him. And we'll read Scripture and we'll pray and we'll serve and we'll live a moral life. Those are all palm branches to a King that we're trying to honor. And, but what we, what we do is we kind of set it up like a, like, a, like a contract or like it's some transaction thing where we're saying, Jesus, we're going to do that. And we love what we see so long as you take care of these circumstances around us. Fix this stuff around us and, 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 and we'll worship you. Help us to make sure that our finances are going to be okay and we'll worship you. But when things start to go harder, when it doesn't work out as well as we thought it would, then we go, wait a minute. I thought this was going to, I thought this was a, give and take here. We look at it and we say, Jesus, I sacrificed to come out here to work here in Colorado and I just lost my job. Well, wait a minute, you were going to keep that circumstance from happening that way. I, I, I surrounded my marriage with you and we prayed for, with you, and, but my husband still left me and cheated on me. And, and that, that's not supposed to happen that way. I gave financially to nonprofits in the church and now I just lost my 401k and I lost my job. I thought we had a deal. I thought we had a deal. See, we look at it and we say, I, I liked you coming in and you were going to fix my circumstances, but it hasn't worked out that way. And so you start to step away. We, we don't say crucify him. I don't think I've ever said crucify him about Jesus. But I think I have stepped away a lot of times and said, I thought this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And the whole time Jesus is saying, and you get it. See, I haven't come to fix your circumstances. I come to help you. I came to save you. See, we wanted to come and fix the mess. He's going, I've come to clean the mess in here that you can't clean yourself. But who in the world wants to wants to wants someone to enter into that mess? Who wants to do that? I mean, nobody wants to invite people into the mess on the inside. We say, Jesus, fix the stuff on the outside, but don't fix the stuff on the inside. That's my issues. And I'll deal with my issues, but just fix the stuff on the outside. And if you do, my issues will be a lot better. And Jesus is going, No, it's not. I gotta clean that mess on the inside. Man, he comes in, he does a pop-in into our lives and says, I'm gonna clean that mess up. Just a couple of months ago, you guys, I got to tell you this. I had some friends that came to our house and, and they popped in on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. It was awful, you guys. Listen to this. My daughter was moving up to Seattle and she had all of her laundry, the good, the clean laundry, the dirty laundry, all over our, 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 our living room floor. She had her suitcase out all over. Jackie and I were doing a few night activities and so we were going to different people's houses and so we, did, we didn't catch up on the, on the dirty dishes. Tons of dirty dishes in the sink. 
tons of, of food on the, on the counters, like wheat thins on the counters and cheese that maybe someone cut up and cereal boxes on the dining room table. And our dogs were outside and they came back in and they brought in all the dead grass. And so we had these dark hardwood floors. It looked like we planted dead grass on our dark hardwood floors. I mean, the place was a pigsty. I'm in the bathroom in my robe. I'm sorry to even paint that picture. And my and, and our friends, the Gaffneys and the Savals, come to the front door. Jackie comes to the bathroom door and says, Bill, the Gaffneys and the Savals are out there. They're here. And I said, what? I said, Jackie, I don't even have any clothes. You got to get me some clothes. So she went upstairs, got me sweats, got me a sweatshirt. I come out to this pigsty. I'm starting to throw stuff into the basement while they're in the entryway because they're so embarrassed for us to not even come into the rest of the place. You guys, nobody wants a pop-in of the mess. And Jesus comes right to us and says, I'm stepping right into it and I'm cleaning what you can't clean yourself. Do you get it? Do you get it that he, this whole thing that we're talking about and Easter coming up is all about the love that Jesus has for us and, and his desire to shape us from the inside out so that we can have that relationship with God? Do, you, do we get it that it's not about the circumstances out there but the circumstances within here? Do we get it? You guys, they didn't get it. The disciples didn't get it. But you know who did? One person did. One person got it. I gotta, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with this, you guys. There's one person that got it. The night before Jesus went into Jerusalem, there was a party in Bethany. Lazarus was there. Simon the leper was there that Jesus had healed. Lazarus, who Jesus had raised from the dead. They're all at this massive party in Bethany. And they're all hanging out with Jesus. And there's one woman in the corner, Mary. And she wants to get to Jesus, but all these people are around him. But finally, near the end of the party, she finally gets to him and she has this, this, this jar of perfume. And she does something that when I read this in college, I thought this was really odd. She, she, she pours the perfume all over Jesus, head to toe, perfume. It's a year's wages of perfume that she pours all over him and even washes his feet with her hair. It's such an odd thing to do until you learn that what she was doing was preparing his body. Because what they did back then is when, it, when, a bot, when someone has died, they prepare that body with, with oils and perfumes and, and they anoint that body. And she was doing that for Jesus. It's the one person that got it. She knew that Jesus loved her. She knew that Jesus was there to fix what's going on, on the inside with her. She knew that he was going to the grave for her and she was preparing his body because of that. And so the disciples looked at her and said, you're crazy. What did you do that for? But this is what Jesus said. He said, she's done all she could for she has anointed my body in preparation for burial. I assure you that wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, this deed of hers will also be recounted as her memorial to me. She did that for Jesus and she's the one person that knew. Uh, Max Lucado wrote a book called The Angels Were Silent. In there, he writes about this. He says, it's called Risky Love. This is the love that she showed Jesus. A love that takes a chance. A love that goes on a limb. A love that makes a statement and leaves a legacy. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love which is unexpected and surprising and stirring. It's an act of love which steals the heart and leaves impressions on the soul. It's an act of love which are never forgotten. Such an act of love was seen in the last week of the life of Jesus. A demonstration of devotion which the world will never forget. 
an act of extravagant tenderness in which Jesus wasn't the giver, but he was the receiver. And what I love about what Max Cicado says, he says, can you imagine the next day? Can you imagine the next day when he's now walking uh, into Jerusalem? And, and he's saying, do you think it's possible that he smelt that fragrance of that perfume the next day? When nobody else got it, did he, did he smell that perfume and go, Lord, may they get it the way Mary got it? Will they recognize how much I love them? Will they recognize a risky love that I'm giving to them? And they will respond with a risky love. See, Jesus, and then I think about it the next week when, when he's carrying a piece of lumber on his back or five days later, could he still have, have smelt that, that perfume? And even in that moment, with all of the, 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 the pounding that he's taken, does he still say, do they know? Do they remember that I'm doing this because I love them and I care what's going on on the inside? See, he said in that end, he said, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know what they do. They know not what they do. But I wonder if he's also saying, but I hope they remember what I have done for them. Do they get it? And I don't think they got it. But years later, John writes, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your brother. So maybe he started getting it. Do we get it? Do we get it that he did not come to, to fix the brokenness around us, but to fix the brokenness within us? Not the problem around us, the problem within us. He says, I see your mess, and I know it's there, and I'm here to help clean that up. I'm here to help clean up the stuff that you can't clean up yourself. Do you get it? That he has that kind of love for you, and that ultimately we would respond with a risky love back to Jesus and a risky love to each other. If you don't quite get it, that's okay. I would really want you to tune in again next week because when you hear the Easter story, I think you'll get it a little bit more. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand what risky love looks like, that we would respond to that risky love, that we'd see that your son has come not to fix the things around us, but to fix us. And then, Lord, may we in response to that, pour out that love on others. And so your kingdom come in this moment that we would bless others because of that love that you've given us. God, we thank you that you looked at each one of us in the eyes and said, I know you don't get it, but I'm doing this for you anyway. It's in your name we pray. Amen.